Leonard denies at the near post. Could be 3 0 if not for Christian Oxner. Turns to flex the CS. 1 0 for David Chouinier, the magician. And it is a famous victory, a first victory of the season for FC Edmonton. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Newsroom. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark. Uh, that has been the recap from the week that was uh, on the show this week. We're going to focus on the results this weekend, which were as follows. York United nil, Pacific FC nil, Halifax Wanderers nil, Forge three. And as you heard there and saw from Alan Koch's reaction, FC Edmonton one, Atletico Ottawa nil. Uh, wow. Dramatic weekend and yeah. more storylines, I guess. Lucky 13 for FC Edmonton, their 13th game of the season. <laughs> in all competitions, and they finally pulled it off. Uh, they were the main headlines, certainly from the weekend. Forge, keep rolling, and by the way, they are on fire. We're going to get to that very shortly as well. And more issues in front of the goal for both York and Pacific. I think most people, if they were betting with the Come On app, would have bet a nil-nil at York Lions on Saturday, and that <laughs> certainly was the case uh, with the way that those teams are struggling right now in front of goal. Um, before we bring in Benedict Rose, Charlie, good to see you. I know all, all over the games again this weekend. What are your overall thoughts from, from this one? Yeah, it was a, an interesting one. Some very, uh, very fascinating results in the league this weekend. I think um, you know a few a few storylines continue and a few narratives get kind of flipped on their head from this weekend. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot to dive into, and, and again, some some entertaining football matches out there. As usual, we are your home for all things Canadian soccer. So if you've got any questions about the upcoming women's team this weekend, obviously I was in New York recently with the venue announcement on Thursday for FIFA. Good questions about that. The under-20s struggled with a loss early to Cuba in the first game. So fire your questions in if you're listening or watching to us live, and we'll get to some of your questions during the show. But we have to start in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we bring in our own Benedict Rhodes, uh, where thoroughly, and it has to be said, they were thoroughly handled a massive loss by Forge again. Uh, it has to be said, Halifax a month ago had only ever lost games at home by one goal or less. And in the space of one month, have lost by more than one goal twice to the same team, collectively getting thumped 7-0. It was 4-0 a month ago and 3-0 on Sunday. Uh, Benedict, before we, we'll roll in the highlights here, but what were your overall thoughts on this one as Forge just manhandled them? Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. I think, uh, you know, Forge were obviously in good form at the moment and 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 that continued, right? Like Halifax were missing some key players. Um, um, but as, as I'm sure we'll get to, that's that's not really an, an excuse for, for a team that wants to have playoff aspirations. And um, this Forge team just, David Schwanier is in, in great form. Resident Ramos is in great form. And, and everything seems to be clicking at the right moment for them. And and uh, the game, again, for the, for the fourth time in a row now, I guess it, it's it's really shown in their performance and and uh, they're, they're flying. Yeah, it's unequivocally a, a bad day for Halifax in this game you know it's the second time in a row they've brought Forge to Wanderers grounds the second time in a row they've been just utterly dominated I think we've we've seen through the highlights here and we'll see again in a couple seconds just the way that Forge players were able to walk through the back line you know David Schwanier in particular and then Taryn Campbell does it in a couple minutes here um Benedict I know that you were you were on this call we're going to hear from some of these people in a second too but just how frustrated and disappointed were kind of the Halifax coaching staff and players after a game like that? Yeah, they were very frustrated. I know one of the ones that stood up to me was Christian Oxner, sort of, uh, I guess, I guess challenging maybe his teammates, maybe looking for a bit of a reaction, saying, you know, the players that are coming in to, to replace the regular starters are the ones who are upset that they're not starting and not playing games. So they need to take advantage of opportunities like this. So that was one that stood out to me. And and Stephen Hart as well was pretty frustrated and, and sort of saying, like, the, these mistakes aren't, aren't tactical mistakes. They're they're just players, you know, maybe not performing at the level that they need to be and they should be uh, in order to, you know, get, get results against teams like this and, and you know, put in the work needed to, to beat a team like Forge. Wubis Persis in the 15th, Noah Jensen in the 25th, Emmy Welshman about five or six minutes from the end. And in between, you saw there, if you're watching the highlights, Matteo Restrepo with a red card as clear as day. So uh, just to compound the misery uh, of all things Wanderers and a packed Wanderers ground again, and uh, many fans disappointed. Uh, let's go back to Halifax for some reaction. Here is their head coach, Stephen Hart. We talk about it all the time. It's about it's about energy off the ball and, and on the ball. It's it's that's the time you you keep the ball, you rest, or you look to attack. And uh, if you don't do that efficiently, you uh, 
you are not playing football. It's as simple as that. Yes, it's a loss, obviously, but we, we you can only deal with the, the players that you have on the pitch and uh, this is a great opportunity for, well, it was a great opportunity for those players to come on and, uh, and say, hey, you need to, you need to give me uh, more minutes, you know, but uh, quite clearly it shows why they are the, the important players on the, on the team. Just uh, defensively on the first two goals, do you look back on those as more of uh, you know kind of a tactical advantage that Forge had, or was that just uh, players and lines dropping too deep, leaving too much space? Which does it come down to? How can it be a tactical advantage when the first goal the guy beats four or five guys? What what does that have to do with tactics? You know and. Uh, and then the set, you get you get scored on almost with the exact type of play the second time. So the 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 the, 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 mid, the players who are supposed to be running and cover that space are not running. It's not tactics. It's a running game, and they just did not do that. So that's the message the players. Of course, of course, they you you, you cannot have it both ways, right? Off the ball, you have to, to close down the space and cover space and everything that's necessary. It has nothing to do with how you, how you play. No matter what uh, shape you play and what system you play, you still have to fill space and take away space. And they did not do that. And they paid the price for it. Fascinating stuff. Um, Stephen Hart, we've all covered for a long time. Benedict, you were in that press conference. Some people, I think, have described it as being Stephen Hart being agitated. I think knowing Stephen is more passionate um, how would you describe that? And what was the feeling of that quite tense press conference, I suppose? Yeah, I think I think well, both of those are probably fair words, agitated and passionate. I think, you know, I think like Oxner, I think he's a, a guy looking for a reaction out of his team. You know, losing a combined 7-0 at home uh, is, is you know, kind of embarrassing, really. Um, for, for Again, for a team that, you know, wants to be in and around the playoff conversation until yesterday, we're tied with Forge on points. Um, so I think, you know, he, he's he's looking for a reaction from his players. I think... You know, maybe a strong message like that saying, you know, this shows why Rampersad and, and Gagnon Laparade are so important to them. I think it is going to hopefully get a reaction out of, out of, you know, the Polisi, the Daniels, the, the Lamoths of this, this team. And and uh, I think, I think you know, agit agitated and passionate are, are both, you know, fair words to say for, for a moment like that. Charlie, Stephen Hart said he can't use as an excuse, but can we? Mm. I think we can. No, he can't say it because he's got other players. But if you were to list the best players for Halifax in a row... You'd be like Morelli out, Rampersad yeah. out, Gagnon Lapare out, Garcia out. I mean, there's not a lot of depth there. And I know that maybe that that's on them to produce better and maybe get more of a stronger depth there. Um, but that is, he can't say, but that is a massive part of this performance again, no? Oh, of course. I mean, it's it's not my job to motivate the team and, and get results out of other players. So I can absolutely say that, yeah, if you have one of the best midfields in the league and you don't have your two best midfielders in a game against arguably the other competitor for best midfield in the league, then you're going to have a bad day. And I think we, we maybe could have, we maybe saw it a little bit before when the lineups came out, you know, no rampers had, which was a surprise because he was suspended the previous game and he just misses out of the 18 on this one. And Gagnon Lapare as well is just, it, it, it's definitely kind of a blow to this Halifax team. You know, Kyle Becker and, and Noah Jensen and Abu Suzoko are a very, very difficult proposition for, any yeah. team in the league to go up against it was a different a difficult proposition for toronto fc to go up against uh just a couple weeks ago so you know obviously forge does very well in midfield in this game they get a goal from jensen from the midfield with that kind of late arriving run into the box that halifax's midfielders don't really pick up on um so yeah i, th I think we can use that as, a, as an, a bit of an excuse you know there's still no excuse for kind of the way that they backed off in defense the way that they were maybe a little bit too cautious i think at the back and allowing players like schwanier and and campbell and so on to run into those spaces into those channels uh but at the end of the day yes like it's hard to establish an advantage in this game you know halifax a team that wants to play on the counter a lot of the time you can't do that unless you win the ball and they just did not win the ball in this game 
Right, right. Uh, let's talk about Forge. Uh, Benedict, I know in your, in your analysis, you can obviously read all the analysis on campiel.ca. You highlighted Schwanier and Rama on the right-hand side. I know on the post-match press conference that Bobby Smith certainly talks about that. Um, aside from that or with that, what else did you notice from a team that is now, by the way, on a four-game winning streak? That is their most since May and June of 2019. 14 goals scored in four games. That is their most ever in a four-game run. 10 was their highest last year in August of, 20, of 2021. Um, and by the way, an expected goals of nearly 11 during that as well. So they are creating these chances pretty highly. Um, Benedict, what is your overall impression? How impressed were you and who impressed you the most kind of in that attacking third of the of Forge? Yeah, I think, you know, Schoenier and, and Pasillas are both of them at the moment are, are both playing with a lot of confidence. I think, you know, moving Pasillas now, now is two goals in two games. Schoenier, he's picking up the assists uh, at the moment and, and you know, he's, he's dribbling through guys like they're not even there. Uh, I think, you know, if you're Forge, you, you've wanted to see maybe another level from, from David Schoenier over the last few years and now he's sort of finally showing it and now he's showing it consistently and, and you know, he he's, not, he's becoming from a super sub to now being a regular starter and someone that's almost impossible to take out of the team and and uh, same with Tristan Borges on the other side as well. You know, this, this front three are playing with a lot of confidence, just scoring a lot of goals, which is obviously what you want and, now they're not only getting the chances, but they're finishing them off as well. Which is what Bobby said post game that you know they're they're finally you know taking advantage of these chances and, and scoring the goal. So instead of you know maybe a one, scraping out a one nil win, they're they're dominating teams three nil four nil. Charlie, what are your thoughts on them? I'm gonna I want to show something myself in a second, but your overall thoughts on Forge who continue to just take it to another level attack wise here? Yeah, absolutely, and and I think this is maybe something that we did expect to happen eventually, you know, once they, they get into that rhythm and a few players get healthy or, or get fit enough to start, you know, there's, it's just confidence. I think with this team that, you know, they don't necessarily lack, but once you have a, a couple of results strung together, then it's kind of just a, a flood of it. You know, Schwanier in particular just has been unbelievable the last few weeks for this team. And again, in Halifax, um, you know, the, the, the players that typically step up in these roles continue to do so. Kyle Becker, you know, that's he played his 99th game for Forge in Halifax here. So, you know, if he plays against Valor next week, he'll be the first CPLer to go 100 with a CPL club uh, in all competitions. Uh, and he just continues to be a dominant player in this in this league. Uh, so I think Forge, you know, started the season a little bit slower. But again, so many games in hand, so many, you know, injuries and so on. So I, I think that they, they still are very much, despite turnover and changes in the squad, they're very much the Forge that we have all known for a few years here. Yeah, let, let's talk about Forge's identity a little bit because they are always a team that keep the ball down. And even when they weren't mm -hmm. creating the chances this year, they were talking about more, more, getting more touches in the opposition's box. I'm going to share those numbers later in the show but when we compare to Pacific. I won't use them now because I want to use them later. Um, but... When you talk about their identity, even when they weren't scoring, they never changed the way, the way that they play. And the way that they play and pass and move, they play and pass and move better than any team, not even close in the Canadian Premier League. And, and I want to show you a clip right now. Ten players touched the ball before they score this goal. So let's play this clip, and I want to talk to you about it. This was the goal in the build-up. So this is the build-up to the Paseas goal. Morgan plays it with his right foot back to Tristan Henry. Watch this pass from Henry right now that takes out five or six players right to Rammer on the right-hand side. And now watch the spacing as we build up. It's a minute exactly in the build-up to the goal. Sissoko's very calm in possession. Becker plays it out to Janssen. Janssen back to Becker. Now watch what Janssen does next. Janssen's going to open the ball up in a second as well. As they get it over here. Borges tries to get it to Jensen, who's the only player who doesn't end up touching it there. But they recycle the ball in possession back to Morgan. Now Janssen plays it here, and he's going to make a miss pass, which is very unusual for him. He plays a miss pass there with his right foot. In the end, he recycles the ball, and then he waits for the press. Look, he gives his hand up saying, I got it wrong. Waits for the press, comes in first-time pass with his left foot, and they're in again. Straight away, Rama with a great ball into Schwanier. Look at the spacing, how they, how they win the ball back straight away, right on again with Rama. And then Schwanier plays it in here. Watch the pass next. Right away with the cross. And Paseas is right where he needs to be. One touch finish. Ten players in one minute touch the ball. The ball stays down the entire time. And it's got everything in there. It's got left foot passing, right foot. It's got stretching the ball out wide. It's got spacing. And it's got the ability to win the second ball if they're about losing it in quick one-on-ones. And that is the difference right now for me. It says everything at one minute. Benedict, that this is just a, an incredibly impressive team right now. They'd also get 10 days off to continue to get healthier. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're not playing that sort of, I guess, uh, route one of just sort of lumping it over the top and, and letting someone run onto it like we, we see from Halifax sometimes and 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 other teams. And and they're just, you know, so confident. They're so 
I guess so gelled as a group. They've many of these guys have been around for multiple years now, and and it shows, right? Like they're they're playing these systems and, and these these tactics that you know a team like another team in the league perhaps that maybe has has made a lot of turnover on the roster um, that they can't afford to do, it. and it takes takes a year or, or most of a year to do so, and and Forge has these players and these systems in place for going back to 2019, even sometimes, um, and and it definitely shows. Sorry, if I can just just add to that with Forge and specifically with that play, that example, Christian. And if anybody's listening on the podcast feed, I'd encourage you to go to the YouTube yeah. and watch we'll, that build we'll up. We'll clip it. We'll clip it off because so yeah, it's it's very very informative. The thing that sticks out to me most is not only you know the the patience and the build up play, but the fact that Forge, you know, really more than any other CPL team, not only has a plan, they have a plan A and a plan B and a plan C, and you know they they're fully aware of one of these passes might not find its target. So what do we do? If we miss a pass, you need to counter press. You get the ball back. You you win the the second ball or something like that. So Forge just know at all times what they want to do. They don't panic. They don't make rushed moves. So if somebody does miss a pass, there's a plan for that. There's a contingency plan, and effectively they do eventually get to the spot they want to be in. Yeah, fantastic stuff, uh, Benny. Before we let you go, I know you got more CPL action coming up this weekend, but also the Canadian women's national team are back in action. Uh, what should people be looking forward to ahead of this one at BMO Field on Saturday? Well, Sunday, I, think, I, think, I think there's some interesting players coming back into the team. I think, you know, Sarah Stratigakis is the one that stands out to me. She was, you know, in and around the team before and and maybe wasn't, she wasn't during the Olympics and she wasn't during a couple camps after that. So I think, you know, she's a player to watch out for. And, and you know, this is a very important game for the Canada, right? Getting ready for the, the CONCACAF W Championship. So, uh, yeah, it'll definitely be an exciting one and, and watch for them to, you know, go all out and, and, and try to prepare as best as they can for, for that tournament. Good stuff. Benedict will be there. I know you recently spoke to Sarah as well. So as usual, all over it at campl.ca. Keep up the great work, my friend. We'll speak to you next week to recap that and more Canadian Premier League action. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Benedict Rhodes. As Forge continue to march forward and, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, teams are watching that now. Um, talking of winning games, let's bring on AGR, who was the man in charge of taking over the game that Alan Koch's team finally won. Uh, and Alex, as usual, I thought you were bang on with your analysis. Because what you wrote about as we roll in the highlights is that Edmonton didn't just win the game. They deserve to win the game. And it's been coming over their performances over the last mm -hmm. few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm thrilled personally for, for, for Alan Koch and Edmonton. Because you'd kind of watch them as of late. And it, they were knocking on the door. I think that Halifax game as well that uh, I was on assignment for. They, they came so close. They were up 1-0. They had a 3-on-1 where they could have buried it. And they just didn't. All of a sudden, Sam Salter took over, and it's 2-1. This game, you kind of wondered, would that happen? They, they were knocking on the door. I mean, Ottawa had some early chances, like this one you see here, which easily could have ended things. Great save again from Andreas Weikla, who continues to be uh, you know, a huge saving force for them at the back. But then Edmonton, they got their goal. And what was most impressive about when they got their goal is, because this isn't the first time they've had a lead in a game. It isn't even the first time they've had a lead late on in the game. I mean, Valor just weeks ago was about as close as they'd gotten to a win, but it was how efficient they were after they got this this lead. I mean, great corner, first of all, from Azriel Gonzalez, who all night or all afternoon, pardon me, was whipping in great balls. So they finally capitalized on one. And then from there, it, it was airtight. I mean, Ottawa had one chance about five minutes later that, you know, Carl Hayworth, I'm sure <laughs> looking back, he, he might regret. But other than that, Edmonton was efficient. They took care of business and it was just a well-deserved win for for a team that has been kind of knocking on the door for a while now yeah and alex i love that you brought up the set pieces in your analysis as well at campl.ca because you know I, I love set pieces and talking about them in this league you know last just last week i was gushing about cavalries in winnipeg but uh it's a big part of this game for edmonton right you know it seemed very targeted that they wanted those balls kind of close across goal they want chaos and and traffic around the the goalkeeper and in the six yard box just uh, maybe alex what did Alan Koch and, 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 you know, the players say about the set piece work that's gone into winning a game like this and just what impressed you most about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, set pieces in terms of what they've been working on, it's something that, you know, sometimes you'll ask coaches, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. I'll ask coaches like, oh, it's just, you know, part of the game. It's something we work on. Alan Koch and his team is one of the te teams that are like, yeah, we love, love set pieces. You know, we want good set piece def differential. You want set piece goals. You want set piece, you know, you want to defend set pieces. So you can tell they, they, they have an enthusiasm with their set pieces. And I think it's showing off. I mean, the one guy in particular who's been 
I don't know what it is about him. Every time I, I've watched Edmonton lately, ever since he's signed for them, is Biku Bisaint. You know, it's it's fitting that he scores. It felt like at least three or four times a game, he would just get up uncontested to a ball, but then he'd head it wide. I think he hit the post another day. Like he's a dominant, you know, I, I think he, he's one of the best jumpers I've ever seen, a, you know, from a set piece, just the way he leaps and co- constantly meets the ball at the back post, but his timing's always just a bit off. So you look at some of those those options, those weapons they have, you see how much Edmonton drills it, how they're sometimes going near post, far post, you get a lot of movement, even their free kicks are, are, are dangerous. I don't think it's fun for, for teams to defend because it's one thing to have all the size that Edmonton has, and they certainly do have it. I mean, Luke Singh as well, we've seen from his time with TFC and TFC2 that he can be a force in the box, some of these other guys, but you have to find a way to get him the ball. And I think with Edmonton, the way that they've really let Gonzalez, Timoteo, those two in particular kind of take the right and left-footed set pieces, we're seeing more and more moments where it just either gets in the dangerous area or it gets on the end of it. And that's tough for teams because that, that gives Edmonton a confidence to know that they can go in the final third. And if they maybe, you know, if they don't, get the space they want if they get fouled that's not going to be something that they want and more teams worrying about fouling means more space for Tobias Warshuski, more space for Kamara to lead the line it just opens up more space elsewhere so it's really a, a sort of weapon that if you find a way to to take advantage of it gives you a, an edge in other areas of the field as well yeah they've been excellent in that regard no doubt um I, you know for me the process with the way they're playing right now is they're getting better every day I mean we all design it we all and out, analyze teams based on outcomes, right? Results. So they've lost, they've lost, they haven't won. Mm-hmm. But it was clear if you watch every game, the evidence was building up that they were getting better. It's the fourth game in a row they've taken the lead. Okay, they, they surrendered two of those and lost. Then they surrendered another one and drew, but they eventually got it over the line. So you could see it getting better. Those who aren't familiar with the story, FC Edmonton, obviously massive turnover in the offseason, only retained two players, signed 19, 20 new players for this season. It's been difficult for Alan Koch. Um, and Alan Koch has had a lot of qualities in the press conferences uh, of patience uh, and class. And sometimes he's been at difficult times as well. Uh, so we put a little bit of a montage together following this one. Here's the best of Alan Koch's press conference yesterday after his first win of the season. Um, it's a really good feeling. Obviously, it's been a long, long time since we've, we've won a game. Uh, there's lots of factors that go into that. And I hope people will continue to to speak about that because we're in a very, very difficult situation and one win doesn't change that. Uh, but having said that, winning a football game is one of the greatest feelings on the planet. Um, so our staff and our players are, are very, very happy uh, to get a victory today. We feel like we, we could have, should have won uh, one or two of our previous games. So it's taken a little bit longer to get to the first victory. Uh, but it is, it's an amazing feeling uh, after a lot of anguish, tough times, difficult challenges over the last few months. I think set pieces are a huge part of football. Uh, we work on them a lot. Uh, you can see several teams in this league uh, win games on set pieces. Uh, Cavalry had a fantastic game the other day in Winnipeg with some amazing set pieces. Um, so we're glad we could capitalize on one today. We have other ones that we want to work on. Uh, it just means you have to have that level of an awareness and attention to detail on attacking set pieces, but also to defend set pieces. Uh, Look at Ottawa, they tried all sorts of different corners, all sorts of different free kicks during the course of the game. They weren't predictable at all. Uh, and that takes a heightened sense of awareness to go manage the first phase and manage the second phase of those set pieces. Um, oh, heck, uh, I think uh, I probably speak for all of our supporters that we, we didn't think we were going to get this win until the final whistle went uh, because we thought we could get three points in Winnipeg a few weeks ago. We thought we'd create enough opportunities to give ourselves a chance to get three points here a few days ago. Um, so when you've gone through a, a tough time like we've been, uh, you're, you're not going to believe anything until the final whistle. And obviously when that final whistle went, it's a, it's a fantastic feeling for our entire group. I would like to add, though, I was going to say this, win or lose today. Um, because I felt like I'd been a broken record because we hadn't been winning for a long, long time. So I wanted to see if I could deflect from, from that sob story and, and really recognize Ottawa and, and Atletico and what the club there have done. That's, it's inspirational for us, to be quite honest, uh, because we're in a tough place right now as a club. And I think they had a very, very difficult year last year. And how they've adjusted, uh, how they brought in some very good people in the front office. Obviously, they have a very clear style. They're a very, very difficult team to play. Uh, and they're probably disappointed that they're the first team that we beat this year. They shouldn't be. Uh, it was only a matter of time before we beat somebody. Uh, and they've made amazing progress uh, in a short amount of time. So kudos to their coach, kudos to their management. 
uh, and how they've gone about their business because that's inspirational for us. Uh, we'd like to see if we can get through these challenges this year, hopefully see what happens with new ownership and hopefully we can put a big step forward as we continue to move forward. Yeah, winning is an amazing feeling. Uh, a couple of players in the locker room compared it to certain things that happen on this planet. I won't mention what they are, but uh, it is one of the greatest feelings on the planet, uh, irrespective of circumstance or situations to, to fight and battle with a group of players, with a club, with a fan base that's been incredibly loyal. Uh, I hope on the broadcast today you could hear our fans. There was a very impressive turnout today. Uh, and that victory is obviously for the players, it's for the staff, it's for our entire club, but it's for our supporters and it's for the city of Edmonton because we're very, very grateful to have the support that we get. Yeah, we just had a very special moment with the players in the locker room. We congratulated the 11 that played and started. We congratulated the guys that were in the 18. We thanked the guys that are here in the training environment. We don't have a big group because of our restrictions, but we thanked the players. We thanked some of the young U18 players that are here to train. That all helped make this group uh, the best that we possibly can. Um, so we're very, very grateful and appreciative for all the efforts of everybody that works with us. I did text my wife, uh, to be honest. I've asked her to get some beer and some wine for the staff. I've invited all the staff back to our coach's office. So uh, we're going to go enjoy and celebrate this one in a few minutes' time. Fantastic stuff. Although I felt for Mrs. Koch having to go get the beer and wine. Why, why wasn't that already on ice 13 times? I mean, we've been waiting enough times to get that ready to go, Charlie. Like, come on. Um, yeah. yeah, it should be there. But every credit, they stepped up and they did it. And uh, we were going to ask Alan on today, uh, but out of respect after his beer and wine comment, I just thought I'd just play a lot of his comments right now because I'm not quite sure what kind of state he would have been in on Monday. Uh, but uh yeah, it is still stuff. the morning out there in Alberta. It's still very early, yes. Uh, fantastic to see. A great turnout, as C-Mac says in the, co in the comments as well. Um, AGR, before we let you go, let's, we're going to hear some, some Ottawa reaction in a second, but I know you covered them as well in your analysis. Disappointing day, you know, for them. I mean, they were on a high coming into this. I know they didn't score the last game. Actually, that's the first time uh, this season they've gone back-to-back -back games without a goal. I think only the second time ever. They only did that once last season as well. So, a little bit of a difficult patch for them after a, what was a fantastic month prior to this. Yeah, I mean, I was excited to to get a chance to to kind of write and watch them a little more closely than than usual because every time I, I I've turned on Ottawa games, they're you know exciting. They 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 have a clear philosophy about wanting how they want to play. But from what I saw, this was a good lesson for what is a young team. We still always have to remember, and you know, new coach and, and Carlos Gonzalez, and I think we saw. A bit of that because there, there's flashes there they hold on to the ball so well it's composed playing out the back they hardly aired in, in, in their build-up play they had some good moments where they they get it out wide or get in the middle they don't know what they're doing but they just weren't at their best and you know i think that, that that's soccer sometimes i think i kind of wrote about it i mean you don't have to be at your best all 28 games in a season that's just un, you know that's unrealistic pardon me i don't think any of the teams in the world you look at teams that win champions leagues they're not at their best every night heck some of them aren't even best at the big games but kind of the the next step for i think for a team like ottawa is they've shown that when they're on their game they can make things happen it's it's being a little more mature a little more ruthless a little more professional because i think in a game like this uh, yes, Edmonton deserved to win and win were full credit, but you look at that Malcolm Shaw chance at the beginning. I think of that Carl Hayworth chance. I think it's some of those other chances. A, a good team and a good, in the, if you want to be a team that wins important games, you finish off those chances. You have a terrible game. Edmonton dominates you. You go home with three points. That's what good teams do. And I think Ottawa is a, is a good team. Don't get me wrong. But I just think if, if we're going to see the next step for them, it's going to see them getting those sorts of points that maybe didn't play their best. And uh, But but I, I want to give full credit to them as well because I think of how they recovered from the 6-1 earlier this year, how they've kind of gone on a run as of late. They're showing great signs, but I think uh, this Edmonton game was maybe a bit of an example of what they still have to do if they want to take that next step into the, the top teams of the league, the Forges, the, the Cavaliers, the Pacifics. Yeah, good to see Zach Bahu's play because obviously they need to get those under-21 Canadian minutes up as well. I think they're only at 468, yeah. which is uh, eighth out of all eight teams at the moment. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, back to uh, Clark Stadium some reaction. Here's the head coach, Athletic Ottawa. Here's Carlos Gonzalez. I think that today uh, Edmonton was better than us. It's a simplified conclusion. I think that we didn't feel comfortable in, in any moment of the game. It's true that we didn't start it badly. But little by little, we started to, to do the things that we, we shouldn't do. And, uh, and they did a very solid game uh, in which they have very clear ideas of what was their plan. And, 
and at the whole, they were they were better than us today. It's a reaction from the coach. What about a reaction from player? He is reigning player of the month for the Canadian Premier League, Oli Batten. First five minutes, we had a good chance. One-on-one um, -on -one with the goalkeeper, and then, you know, he makes a good save. Um, and, yeah, you start to think, you know, is it, is it going to be your day when we were creating these chances, um, even though we're not playing the best? Um, but, yeah, I think when, when these chances do come in, in a tight game like this, um, it's up to us to, to be clinical enough to, to put the ball in the back of the net because, you know, you don't know um, if you're going to get another chance, you know, as good as the last one um, again. So it's something that, you know, we let ourselves down with and, and hopefully we can put that right going forward. Bassett referring to that early chance, as Alex did earlier, saved by Weichler, gives him the nomination for the Team of the Week this week, again, for the Estonian goalkeeper. Uh, every credit to him. AGL, before we let you go, big week in Vancouver. We're coming out for the semi-final. Whitecaps came off a big win on the weekend as well. Um, we'll talk a lot about this over the next couple of days with York as well, but how are the Whitecaps feeling? What are you thinking of them when you're watching them? And obviously, go into this, I would imagine, as being big favourites against York in the semi-finals at home to try and finally get back to a Canadian Championship final. I mean, things are looking a lot better than, say, I don't know if when you asked that question to me ahead of Valor or even ahead of Cavalry, things are looking good in the Whitecaps land. I mean, you know, they've been in some great form lately. I think they're second best in MLS on the form chart right now, other than New York City. They've been pretty much winning or drawing most games, and they just had a huge result on the road. They beat FC Dallas 2-0, commanding results. wasn't, you know, necessarily a, a huge smash-and-grab performance. For anyone who's followed their road record, I think that's something like their fifth road win in the last three years. So they don't do that very often. So the fact that they did in such convincing fashion, they're in great form. They just got welcomed Andres Kubas. They just welcomed some of the other key players back into the fold. Uh, they're, they're flowing right now. So in terms of form or morale, et cetera, it doesn't get much better for the Vancouver Whitecaps. So they'll obviously want to keep that going at home against the York team. Maybe, you know, we're looking on the form chart, not in the op you know, coming in a bit of an opposite trend. Funnily enough, I think for the Whitecaps, that's almost scary because, you know, they, they've always they, they kind of like to, to trip over themselves in these big moments. But from what we've seen as of them late, they've been professional. They've been ruthless. So I think people in Vancouver are expecting a, a very solid and commanding result uh, on Wednesday. Very well said. We'll see you out there, my friend. And as usual, great stuff. Read Alex's stuff at campio.ca and, of course, onesoccer.ca as well. Thanks, AGR. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, talking of York, Charlie, your Lockline Stadium was your game this weekend. Yeah. Um, and you got, the, you got the one that was the bad game this week. It was passed around. Um, not a great... Uh, we'll roll the highlights. Not a great game uh, to get to as well. We're going to get the man on himself who caught the game in a second. So uh, for 90 minutes, he had to make a story out of this one. But we've got 90 <laughs> seconds to do on this one. Uh, Charlie, overall, um, as we said earlier, not surprising but a nil-nil. York, obviously the better team. And again, it has to be said, Pacific with all the attacking talent on the pitch, just cannot put anything together. Yeah, yeah, they really can't. And I, York clearly had that plan of, of finding ways to shut them down in this game. You know, they were a little bit of a different look with that sort of 4-4-2 out of possession where Asazi Di Rosario and Lissandro Cabrera kind of pressed as these forward strikers. You can see maybe a little bit of it actually here on his highlight. But uh, they, they, they sort of pressed high in the first half and then they really, really backed off in the second half and just let Pacific have the ball and come at them. And it was... Pretty, pretty soft and harmless possession for the most part. You know, Yorker have often been a team that's comfortable staying in their shape and defending. Uh, and and I think, you know, they would have liked to to put one of these kind of transitional attacks in the back of the net. Uh, Max Ferrari will definitely be haunted by that one chance that sort of fell to him, but he's quite rusty having not started for quite a long time. And he went 90 minutes in this game, which was kind of a shock and not something that he or his team expected him to have to do. But uh, yeah, Pacific just didn't seem to have a, a ton going for them in the attack. They were better than they were at Forge the weekend before. You know, Marco Bustos has twice as many touches as he did in Hamilton because he was running to these different channels, dropping deep, just looking for the ball. He's a player who needs the ball at his feet. So he did well to make that happen on his own. And as a result, Alejandro Diaz doesn't have to drop in the midfield as he did in Hamilton. Yeah. But yeah. again, you know, it's those those final passes, those last acts that just aren't there for them because York's defenders did such a good job of just cutting off those passing lanes. Yeah, I want to get to some of the manager reaction, of course, and some, we'll play some player sound as well. But let's bring in our next guest, Adam Jenkins, the man himself from One Soccer. Adam, great to see you, my man. We're just talking about this game. We're going to get into a lot of things with you coming up, but I want to bring you in too because I'm interested to hear your point on this in terms of um, 
I mean, I think a few weeks ago, we could have said York Pacific almost the top of the table, a clash, two of the best, most informed teams. Uh, and for whatever reason, it just isn't clicking for either of them right now. What were your observations of this one? Yeah, York were decidedly the better team for me in this match. And I don't want to take the conversation too quickly away from this particular game. But when I think about Pacific lately and how they've not been themselves at all since Manny Aparicio went down, when I see Forge be able to retool if they miss some players and they're still missing some players, I think for me that's where the different tier is right now where you have a very important player. And I'm not trying to diminish Manny's play at all. But when you lose one guy, they do not look like the Pacific that they did out of the gates here. And I think for James, this is the first test of him being the man to try and rally the troops and drag them up when sometimes they need that little extra kick for, for him to navigate this difficult time. For York, it's they'll, they'll be happy with the performance, but at what point do you stop being happy with good performances when you're not scoring? And uh, you, you can't bash uh, Max too hard for, for the sitter that he missed coming back into full fitness. I thought he looked pretty good considering how long it's been since he's gone a full yeah. 90 but they're trying different things they're they're almost out of answers which has got to be incredibly deflating for the coaching staffs right now um it was very difficult for me to do that game and then not make the martin nash steve nash joke when steve nash scored in the charity game off pogba but it, it just seems like it, it's a bit of a comedy of errors right now for them and look it, it's not going to get any easier and sometimes that's the jolt that both of these sides will need it's it's going to be when you least expect them to come back they'll come back and i'm not super worried about Pacific, but for York at some point, if they're not going to get the goals, they're going to fall out of this race very, very quickly. Like we're starting to see with Halifax, despite the season only being a third of the way through. Yeah. It's an interesting one. It's a concerning for York, no doubt about it. Um, let's focus a little bit more on Pacific. Let's go back to York line for some reaction. Here's their head coach of Pacific, James Merriman. The biggest focus was to start the game well, you know, start the game with a good mentality on the road. This is our third trip to the East Coast in the last three weeks. Um, it's not easy for the group, but I thought I thought they did. The energy in the group before, you know, right from the warm-up, from the start of the match was very good. We were on the front foot. We were ready to play. Um, and the other thing is we wanted to get back on the ball and, and play our way and, and build. And, and we did that. It's just the final piece didn't come. We didn't create enough chances today. Um, but I think there's a lot there's a lot we can build from uh, from the way that we started the game, the way we played in the first half. Certainly far more positive than his reaction after the loss against Hamilton in Hamilton against Forge the weekend previous there. Uh, here's the skipper, here's Jamar Dixon. We have to manage the game. I mean, you know, it is a game of mistakes today, both sides. Uh, and just it's a matter of who took the opportunity. Um, they had some quality chances in the second half, which we got we got lucky with. Uh, first half, we had we had some opportunities as well. We had chances to break them down, um, but nothing really came of it. So it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's a fair result, of course. But you know, we always want more. We're, we're searching for for that win to get back on that uh, that streak of ours. Um, but like I said, they they did what they had to do. They were locked in, and uh, that's just how the game went. They will be back, right? This yeah. this is their down period. They're going to come back. Obviously, Aparicio is going to be back. They're going to be flying. And I think they're going to batter a team soon. I don't know who that team's going to be, but I think it's going to explode. But I want to run some numbers by you guys. And, and Adam, you brought it up and not even prompted comparing to Forge. Um, touches in the opposition box this season. Pacific have had 12 games. They've had 177 touches. That averages to less than 15 touches in the opposition's box per game. They only had nine on, on Saturday at York. That's three times this season already. They've had nine or less in games. On the other side, Forge have had 248 touches in the opposition's box through nine games. That is an average of almost 28. Their lowest is 17 and their highest is 41. The, the extremes are really there, really there. Yet yeah. last season, Pacific, Charlie, were the best attacking team in the league, and it wasn't close you know, in terms of chance creation, touches in the final third. So something has got to be improving, and they've got to figure this out pretty quickly, Charlie, because the numbers are, even when they're winning games, the opposition touches in the final third are a lot lower this season than they were last season. And I think that's why we're not seeing the highlights and the awards for Abustos. And I know Diaz is getting the goals, but they're one-touch goals and the kind of quick finishes. They're not clicking anywhere near as much right now, and they're going to have to find that extra gear, Charlie. Yeah, and it's a very strange thing because largely it's the same personnel in that attack, right? That front three of Joshua, Diaz, and and Bustos. You know, they, they lose Campbell, but I, I don't think they're unhappy to have Marco Bustos back and healthy. Um, right. 
it's it's a strange one. I think maybe it's a little bit less decisive than it was last year. You know, a little bit less of, you know, Josh Hurd driving into the box, which is kind of what was so good with him last year. You know, Marco Busto still always loves that cutting over onto his left foot. But, uh, you know, may, maybe he's just not he's just not seeing those passes that, you know, those runs that, that he looks for most of the time. They just maybe haven't been there. Those runs haven't been there. Uh, it's just... It seems like this Pacific team. I don't. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or a, you know, just a. a I, I don't know what it could be, but just the fact that they seem to not quite have that same killer instinct that they had a lot of last season and even earlier in this season, especially at home, and that's got to be part of it as well. They started the season with a lot of games at Starlight Stadium. They've had to go on the road and they've really struggled on the road. I think even the game they won in Ottawa, they weren't really the better team in that right. game. So you know, they certainly will need to to just find that that confidence back that kind of swagger i think that they have at their best when you know bustos is dominating games when josh hurt is just running into the box with the ball when when diaz is finishing everything they've got a bit of that swagger to them that just hasn't been there away from home i think so you know they're they'll be happy that they got to get to go home for the next two games they host halifax next weekend and you know on on the the basis of recent form of halifax maybe that's the game that they batter somebody as you're predicting there christian but uh (laughs) Like, I I think that, again, I'm not worried about the talent in this team. There's tons of it. They're overflowing with attacking talent. It's just sometimes you need one of those games where one of those creative passes does find its target, where in a, another game it doesn't. You're, you remind yourself of how talented you are as a player, and, and then that confidence is back because I think it is dipping a little bit. It's definitely I, dipping. I, sorry, sorry, Adam, one quickly thing. The other thing, too, is Chung is definitely a loss with Bustos. Oh, yeah. That's a massive, <laughs> massive loss. Sorry, is that what you're going to say, Adam? Go ahead. It, it was piece of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to add, um, you sort of, both of you are taking the words out of my mouth here. I think Halifax is petrified of this weekend, to be completely honest with you. The trip mm-hmm. itself... But if they don't get healthy in midfield, this is going to be a long game for them. And one of the things I've, I noticed, especially from York, and you're missing the continuity. And, and I'll give Abdu Samaki some credit for playing at left back. That's slightly out of position for him. I think they're missing Jordan Haynes, which isn't something I thought I was going to say at this point of the year um, based on some of the additions they'd brought in. But they almost miss uh, those like angry Pacific. We haven't seen angry Pacific in a while. And Marco Bustos a few times as he's dropping back deeper, getting frustrated when he's not scoring Galassos from 30 yards out. Like th- This is an angry team now. And I think that's a very scary proposition going back home. Uh, we're going to get Callum Irving in a baseball cap again, probably, which seems like their good luck charm with the, with the midday start on Saturday, but they, they, they're going to have a game against Halifax that they should expect to win and win convincingly unless Halifax surprises us all. And I won't count that out because after that cavalry is in town and then there's your litmus test all of a sudden. And I think with the way the CPL is set up, there are two teams that are not happy with the playoff format, and that's Forge and Cavalry, because I think they would like to win this out in a single table. Everyone else is battling, but Pacific knows how important home field is going to be. They don't want to finish third again. They don't want to go on the road for the semifinal for the decisive game. But I think more than anything, we were seeing them get frustrated to the point where it was like a powder keg waiting for a match. And I think Saturday could very much be that. Yeah, it will certainly be one that Halifax will be very worried about, no doubt about it. And as you rightly said, they've got to get some kind of back, uh, players back to get healthy on that because uh, Pacific certainly look like a bit of a wounded animal right now. But they are the champs, and I would say this, I think teams are playing a little deeper against them. I think they don't want to get ripped open in transition and counterattacking moments. So even when teams play at home, they still play quite deep and they don't want to be open too much. And that's certainly York's. I think York, we're going to get to them in a second and their issue scoring. They're a lot better defensively when they give when they turn over the ball than they were previously. Um, they've just got to figure it now in the final third. Talking of which, uh, here's the thoughts at York Line Stadium on Saturday of their head coach. Here's Martin Nash. We're not flowing um, as much as we'd like to, and some of it's um, a little bit tired legs. Some of it's, uh, you know, guys playing out of position. Um, but... To be fair with this group, they're all doing exactly what I ask of them. Uh, working really hard. We're not giving chances away to, to pretty much anyone. And uh, we are creating enough chances to score. Just no, uh, I don't know if it's confidence, luck, whatever you want to be. We're just, uh, just, for whatever reason, we're not putting the ball in the back of the net right now. 
a man who has a lot of answers for a lot of things doesn't have an answer for that one right now. Uh, and you can just see he's just kind of lost in disbelief. Yeah. Here are the numbers. 551 minutes without a goal in Canadian Premier League action. Six straight games without a goal in Canadian Premier League action. And the record, I believe, these are unofficial, these are my numbers, the record in CPL is 586 minutes without a goal from Edmonton in 2019. So they're borderline on that next time they play in the CPL. Uh, but focus on the positives, uh, Adam. I, Martin did talk about how difficult they are to break down and heading into a game against the very informed Whitecaps this week, I suppose they would much rather be stronger in that area than the other area. For sure. Um, it's going to be a defensive battle for them. And I think especially with the Caps, they'll be very confident that if they can grind it out, like they haven't, they haven't had many problems drawing lately, to be fair, it's been getting the goal and they've had their results in, in the cup and from the spot. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily envy the position they're entering this game into. What I do like is we've seen with Martin a little bit more tactical versatility from them. Um, I did like the new formation, I thought, especially with Hernandez playing more centrally, which he has not been able to do all season yeah. long. That's a different element. Um, Johnston was playing a lot deeper. like he it was almost a back five at times or 4-1-4-1 with Johnston. So I think they showed that they can have that extra um, wave of defensive responsibility if they feel like it's required. Maybe Ferrari had the rush shaken out. He'll train again for a couple of days and be better. Abzi's going to be really motivated to to leave and, and help his team get to the final. I think there's no better present he can give. Not that he's owing them one after everything he's done for that club, but be quite a way for them to go out. I think Jordan Wilson, despite the, I think there was one penalty a couple of weeks ago that gave me some flashbacks to last year. He's been very, very responsible with Dominic Sator. Again, out of position. Sator, of course, is great and... Nico keeps posting on social media how excited he is for this game, and it's going to be a tester for him. And <laughs> I think some of the advanced and underlying numbers in Nico's case don't always show that in the 90, he is um, the, the biggest safety blanket back there. But when you're motivated, something different for them to, to wake them up. And I think win or lose, we saw Forge get dismantled by CF Montreal, and now look what happened. <laughs> they poked the bear three times, and now yeah. Forge is one of the best teams. So I think win or lose, this is going to be a game that they get up for, and there's going to be some auditions for some players, I think, as well, and they should be excited for it. I don't think they're going to go in with their heads down because they haven't been scoring. I just don't think that's in their DNA. I don't think Martin's going to let that happen. There's too much strong leadership there, and they understand that it's 90 minutes and potentially pens, and they'll be playing TFC or, or CF Montreal for the Voyager's Cup. And if they don't need any more motivation, they've also got Abzi's last game as well, right? right. Like, yeah, the, you know, I know you spoke to Abzi on Friday. This is going to be, I mean, he was tre tremendous again on the weekend. He was. Best player by, he was. by some distance for York as well. But, um, you know, we, we're all meeting here since the news has come out. Your thoughts, Charlie, on this? And when you got to speak to him, what was his overall thoughts on, on the move to France? Yeah, he's he's excited. You can tell he's really, really excited specifically for the destination he's going to in, in France. You know, I, I was talking we were looking at some pictures of of this town he's going to in kind of southwest France and it looks like it's really exciting. But uh, overall it's just kind of a move that he deserves so much and he's so excited for. You know, it's a a lot of the players in the CPL that have moved on, it's been, you know, kind of a, a quicker thing. There's been a few players that have been here for a year or two. And they get that move. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily work out, especially if they go to Europe. But Abzi has been in the CPL for four years. He's the the club's all-time leading appearances. Uh, he's just committed to that project in New York for so long. And he's committed to the CPL for so long. And he's been so consistently good. There's like just, just yards and yards of film on him from the CPL level. So yeah. it, I think that... If you're scouting him, you've got a lot of stuff to work with, a strong basis to make a judgment on him. So I think that more than anything gives me more confidence that, you know, this is going to be the right move for him and that the club is in France is, you know, committed to the player for the right reasons. And again, you know, going to, to Ligue 2 in France is a very good stepping stone for a lot of players. It's a heavily scouted league, especially by you know, the French clubs in Liga, And, you know, if you impress in Ligue 2, then all of a sudden you're not making Sergio Ramos twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Adam, are you calling this game on Tuesday or are you done with York now? Uh, I'll be honest, KJ. I'm a day-by-day kind of what's on my right. iPhone calendar today. I think I have TFC and CF Montreal, so I'll miss it, but I'll definitely be tuning in. But, but, you, but, but, but you are the soundtrack to the Abzi demo reel. I mean, That's right. I, I get royalties. Whatever this sell-on clause that Angus is negotiating this contract, there better be some royalties <laughs> for me. Because that's, Seriously, some... though, how much fun have you had commentating on this player? 
he's been brilliant. And I think this is the exact right time for him. I think if there was any knock on Abzi, and, and it's not just him personally, it's that I think he outgrew the CPL. And I think that it was long time. And there were stretches, especially when things weren't necessarily always going the nine stripes way where he could look disinterested at times. He wouldn't ever show up to a game, not ready to play, not willing to play. I'm not trying to say that, but I think there's some moments where it's really difficult. He's thinking do like the high meter yards that he, or the high speed yards he picks up game in game. I was like, do I really want to be sprinting up and down this turf over and over and over again for the 37 degree humidity in, in Toronto right now, when I feel like I've already auditioned and the rest of the team is just not where they felt like they were going to be. So I think being going to a French speaking country is going to be massive for him. I think it's a new challenge. It's it's, you know, that like rut sometimes even in like our careers, you just need something different to, to re-energize yourself. I think that's exactly what it's going to be for Diadine. And he's got the size, he's got the speed. He needs to get reined in. Sometimes he can have a little bit of a hot head, but I don't think that's going to be an issue going to a, a club like Poe in a, in a, in a league like league Deux. I think it's a great stepping stone for him. And for the league, this is, I think, our highest profile sell-on. And no disrespect to Tyson Angaro going to Romania or any of the, the guys making the step to MLS. This is this is a litmus test. I mean, we're we're seeing some players like Mel Farsi, who just got called up to, to MLS as well. But this is the first time we're seeing a player with this build take that step in a high-profile European league. And Abzi's always up for a challenge. I think the fact that it's going to be fresh is going to be big for him. And everyone should be incredibly excited about this. Yeah, I'm really excited too. When it came out of him going to Poe, my worlds collided a little bit because people were like, where's that? I'm like, what's in the Pyrenees? I know exactly where it is. I'm like, how do I know that? I'm like, I know why. Because he used to have a Poe Grand Prix there for F3000, which was used to be the old GP2. F3000, yeah. Right. Drivers like John Alacy <laughs> and Juan Pablo Montoya won there. So I remember watching it as a kid. So that's why I know that. And now the worlds collide. <laughs> um, I have to end on a racing note there with the Canadian Grand Prix this I'm past in. weekend. And I know, I know Fair enough. a big, yeah. big F1 guy. So yeah. Uh, 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 Adam, thanks for, for, uh, as usual for joining us, man. Uh, you continue up the great work. Obviously, every time we listen to you, you do fantastic work on One Soccer. We thanks One Soccer for all the footage, of course, on this show. But uh, have a great call this week, and, uh, and obviously, you make CPL games better, my man. So keep it up. Thank you, gentlemen. Always, always have time for my favorite CPL podcast. We love it. Thanks a lot, thanks, Adam, Adam Jenkins of One Soccer. It'll be on the call for the Tuesday clash. Double header has to be said on Tuesday. Toronto FC host Mon- CF Montreal Wednesday. at Pimo Field Wednesday. My bad. I'm getting all the. Day- I'm getting days mixed up because I didn't sleep for three days in New York City. That's a different story. Time's not real. It's fine. I won't bore people with my my cancelled flight stories. Um, but I, mm. yeah, so Wednesday double header at Bimo Field, Toronto FC against CF Montreal. Followed by the Whitecaps hosting York, uh, where we'll be there as well. A doubleheader on one soccer for the, for the right to get to the Canadian Championship final. Uh, this has been a yeah. great run for CPL teams as well. Um, but this is just exciting time. Semi-finals. Charlie, what are your overall thoughts on this one before we wrap up the show for York to go out there? And I suppose their recent results and the Whitecaps' recent results really mean that we can play up the real true underdog story even more in this one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... You know, yeah, York are coming in, in in a tough run of form. You know, they they haven't scored, but again, they've been very difficult to beat every single game. You know, if, if you go six games in the league, or I think their their last four, let's say, without yeah. scoring a goal since like in all competitions, and you still draw two of those games, that's not bad. <laughs> I think that you know they they'd be fairly comfortable defending against the Whitecaps. You know, they they know what a cup tie means. They know like what they've done on penalties this year. I, I think that, you know, that they wouldn't be completely upset if they do manage to just frustrate the Whitecaps throughout this game and and hold on. Not to say that they're going to play absurdly negative football and go for penalties, but, you know, they know that they've got that in their locker if they need to, right? So you'll hope that yeah. uh, some of these players will be able to maybe hit them on the break. You know, I know Max Ferrari is such a good direct presence in this team but he went 90 minutes on the weekend i don't think he was intending to because he's just getting back to fitness but you know hopefully he's able to play a role in this game um and and across the board they just need to defend well and have that bit of a direct energy with the ball just to try and get something in in the attacking third but at the end of the day they are a team that's set up quite well to play you know a, a team that's at a higher level than them because they can defend quite well. And, and, you know, for York being the first CPL team to play all three ML, Canadian MLS teams, uh, they know what it's like, you know, they, they've struggled. They struggled against TFC last year and that was on the road as well. Uh, not, not a lot of, of uh, 
carryover from that game against Montreal or that those two games against Montreal in 2019, other than obviously Deity and Abzi, who remembers that, will have played in all three. Um, but yeah, they, they've got the experience. I think that they'll have quite a a cohesive plan for this game. There's some real history here. There's no doubt about yeah. it. You just touched on it. First team to play all three. First team to win back-to-back penalty shootouts in the Canadian Championship and what a miracle run they've been on. You know, sometimes you feel like, oh, maybe it's their year. You know, sometimes it's just yeah. to have a chance to do that. And uh, York have had some changes during that time. It's not been like a Forge who have been pretty consistent in their time since 2019. They've gone through changes. They've gone through name changes. They've gone through coaching changes. And here yeah. they are uh, making history in the Canadian Premier League. So uh, we'll be out there for that and we can't wait for it. And as I said earlier, it's going to be a great opportunity for them to try and be an underdog and try and, and, and hold and frustrate Vancouver. And even if they don't get through, as Adam mentioned, the learnings you take from these opportunities, as Forge did from playing CF Montreal and then come back to a little bit of a lower level and go to another level, um, really are really, on you know, you know, just undescribable. Uh, and that'll certainly be the case of what Martin Nash will be talking about in the build-up to this one. Uh, okay, let's wrap up the show. Let's show you the standings in the Canadian Premier League as we get through this weekend's games. Cavalry did not play this weekend, but they remain top on basically two points average per game, 20 points from 10. Uh, but Pacific are right behind them. They've played two games more. You can really see the difference here, Charlie, in the games played. Um, but it has to yeah. be said to your point earlier about York and Halifax's struggles right now despite Ottawa going back-to-back games without a goal, there's a big four breaking away here. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is a little bit. I mean, you just look at, you know, Forge is is a little deceptive, the three points up on Halifax, but, you know, they've played nine games. So I think that I would certainly expect them to continue to to push up that table. I mean, just look at that goal differential of plus 12. That's right. just, just miles ahead of the rest of the league. Uh, you know, having two teams in the top four with negative goal differentials is... A little unusual, but that's certainly due to some heavy losses that Pacific and Ottawa have taken. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think we are starting to see a little bit of separation here. Um, you know, Halifax, York, even Valor, not out of it by any means, but they'll certainly be starting to feel the urgency a little bit more now that we're, you know, a, a third at least for for every team into the season. You know, they'll be they'll be starting to feel a little bit more pressure to start putting some results together and, and going on a bit of a run here before it gets too separated. Yeah, no doubt about it. You mentioned it, the plus 12 for Forge. They are averaging 2.33 goals per game this year, almost a full goal above last year's mm-hmm. 1.39. So keep an eye on that one. Uh, before we close, here are your look at your standings or your schedule for next weekend. Obviously, we mentioned the King Championship Games is in midweek, and we have a full slate of three games next week, uh, next weekend, which will be back next Monday, of course, to recap starting on Saturday um, on the island as Pacific host Halifax Wanderers. These are Eastern time kickoffs, so 2 o'clock local time for that one, and then a doubleheader on Sunday. The reason why they're not back-to-back is, of course, as Benedict alluded to in the earlier in the show, the Canadian men's, the Canadian women's national team are playing at BMO Field in between. So we have an early kickoff at York against Valor at 12 o'clock on Sunday, followed by the nightcap and the come-on match of the week. All these games, by the way, live on one soccer. Cavalry take on FC Edmonton in another Al Classico. 7 o'clock Eastern, mm-hmm. 5 o'clock local time. On Sunday, Charlie, your thoughts on those one? I think pick your eye, keep your eye on, on those three. Um, you know, we've we've already mentioned the Pacific Halifax game, but I want to just touch on this this Al Clasico, this Cavalry Edmonton game, because you know Cavalry have been red hot the last few weeks, uh, winning a lot of games, a lot of games in impressive fashion. Uh, they're back home after, I think it'll be about nine or ten days off yeah. since they played Valor uh, and Edmonton. You know, they come in at the highest point so far for them in this season, you know, that's, they've always uh, wanted to to go into Calgary and, and play well. I think they did, especially in that Canadian championship game they played earlier this year. Uh, that was a, a quite a tight game and, and a decent performance from the Eddies. So I think they'll be looking to build on that first win that they got over Ottawa. Uh, it's always a difficult thing to do to go to Spruce Meadows and play Cavalry, but especially when they're playing so well recently. So that'll be an interesting one to see how both teams respond to that. You mentioned it. Cavalry had 10 days off. Valor will have had 10 days off. Forge are now in the middle of being off for 10 days. Um, lots of teams getting built in, something they never had last year uh, at yeah. all in that crazy schedule and had far too often Ever really. the year before in 2020 when they never played. Uh, so the one thing I'll say that quickly as we wrap is that I think that quality of the football will go up again. I think we've seen a little bit of dip over the last few weeks where the games have come thick and fast. Goals have been very tight and hard to find unless Forge have been playing. Um, but I think we'll find the quality of the league go up again. Now, this is what we're giving the gaps for 
ultimately players can get rested, fit, healthy, and we can get squads out there to be stronger again. So the games have been exciting. Again, Charlie, thanks so much for this. Thank you to Benedict. Thanks to AGR. And of course, uh, the voice of One Soccer on the CPL, Adam Jenkins. Thanks for joining us as well. And thanks to all you listening and watching as well. A reminder, Canadian Championship semifinals on Wednesday live on One Soccer. We'll be all over those. Toronto FC hosting CF Montreal and Vancouver Whitecaps hosting York United. Until next week, God bless, take care, enjoy the games, and we'll see you then.